Welcome to Faith Fondue, a new podcast featuring author and speaker Haley DeMaria and teacher and blogger Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue will feature a melting pot of topics ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. Each week will feature a theme, and the theme for this week's episode is Lent, Week 5, Palm Sunday. Hi, Anne. It is the week of March 21st, and we are getting closer to Palm Sunday and Holy Week. Uh, but first, let's talk about this past week. Uh, how was it, and how was your second vaccine shot? Yeah, thanks, Haley. Um, good to be here. The week of, yes, March 21st. Well, first, there was a lot to celebrate last week, Haley, with St. Patrick's Day. And we're going to talk a little bit about St. Joseph's Day. So some great saints. Um, I did have a realization on St. Patrick's Day, Haley. You and I grew up in a time where there was some great Irish music, I, I guess, particularly with you two. So on St. Patrick's Day, you know, students would wear green, you know, in school. And I feel like, I don't know, we'd always listen to you two or the Pogues or something. And then in the 90s, I don't know if you remember this. There's an Irish band, The Chorus. It's three sisters and their brother so talented they combine like traditional irish music with rock music i think the head singer andrea core has just an incredibly beautiful voice so you know when students walk into class i usually play a song so i thought oh what song would i want to play like you you know even oasis they're english but they have irish roots so i was like who could i play and you guys have missed out like you don't have you know, an Irish band. And one of my other teachers was like, you can play Flogging Molly. And I was thinking, I'm not going to play Flogging Molly, but I understand because they're, again, another Irish, you know, band. So um, I don't know. Did you thought about, you know, how was your St. Patrick's Day? So it was great. Yeah, I was in South Bend, um, which, you know, is always an interesting time to for us as students or when we were students to celebrate St. Patrick's Day at Notre Dame. Um, a lot of students who are there right now, I know, had a number of tests that day. I think that the teachers kind of planned that on purpose, maybe or maybe not. Um, it, you know, I, I said to my husband, I feel like I need to drive around and figure out where all the students are. Um, it, <laughs> it seemed a lot quieter on campus um, than it did, you know, in some of the St. Patrick's Days we had. But we did take out from an Irish pub and had just oh. a couple friends for dinner and... Um, you know, didn't drink green beer, but probably had a glass or two of wine. And it was a nice day. Um, and, you know, I hadn't thought about Irish music. That's really interesting. Um, you know, of course, I have some Irish in me. I'm, I'm really kind of a European mutt. So there's not a predominantly, um, you know, there's not one background that I come from. So I, you know, again, wasn't raised Catholic, wasn't raised Irish, really. Um, but I have to tell you, I remember very clearly, I'm sure you do too. Um, I was, I believe, a freshman at Notre Dame, although maybe I was a sophomore. Um, and Sinead O'Connor was oh, on Saturday wow. Night Live, right? Remember that? And yes, she, another good Irish example, a Haley. Great yeah. one. Except Van Morrison. Van We're going to. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think she's Northern Irish, but she is. Continue. Remember, she ripped up the picture of the Pope. Yes. Yes. On, uh, you know, and that was really, you know, when I read it at the time, it was shocking, of course, right? And yes. it was a huge brouhaha. Um, but, you know, when I read about it later on, um, it was because, you know, the, the real scandal in the Catholic Church hadn't broken here in the United States, um. but it had in Ireland. 
And so oh. she was trying to, you know, we were all appalled by it, or your Catholics certainly were here in the United States. Of course, uh, sacrilege. Yes. But as an Irish woman, um, she was trying to raise awareness and um, because that was it was a very prevalent story at the time in Ireland. And, you know, of course, this is all before social media. So we weren't you know real privy to that. It hadn't made its way to the United States. So um, but, you know, I, I loved her music and um, she was um, pretty popular when we were in college. But so sure maybe, was. maybe maybe next year I'll have to pay homage to, to Sinead yes. O'Connor on St. Patrick's Day. But it was fun. You know, it's a fun day. It's just it's a day to have a good time and, and just kind yeah. of celebrate friendship and, you know, our, our Irish friends. Amen. Yeah. Her song, Nothing Compares to, to You, written, right, by Prince. So, yes. Um, fortunately, I was able to celebrate on St. Patrick's Day. But if you had asked me that maybe uh, a couple of days earlier, I don't know that I would have said I would have been able. I did have a very strong reaction to the vaccine to answer your question. So when the CDC lists side effects that those are there for a reason because it was almost like prescribed. I had every last side effect that they said you might possibly have. Um, you know, my arm was unduly sore and then the chills, the fever, the nausea and um, the headache, all of it. And I think when you are sick, it is such a lesson in humility. And I don't want anyone to have to go through that to appreciate their body or their health or well-being. But wow. And I knew it wouldn't you know, I knew this would happen potentially. And I think that's, what's interesting is that some people don't have side effects and they're totally fine. And then you might have it. And I, I honestly thought I would, um, just knowing kind of with my heart health and how I've reacted to the flu in the past and the norovirus. So I was anticipating it. And, you know, uh, my advice for any listeners, two things, one of my friends said, let yourself sleep. And, um, you know, for anyone who's kind of a go, go, go person, um, letting yourself sleep is not the natural, you know, response, at least for me, I wouldn't, I don't really let myself sleep because I'm worried, oh, I might not sleep well tonight. Well, I'll do it. And then the second Tylenol broke the fever. So thank you, Tylenol. I'm very appreciative. <laughs> and, you know, it, it probably took me, I was probably 48 hours before I was back to normal. So very humbling. Well, and thank you for getting the vaccine. Um, you know, that's a big topic uh, going around right now for some people as well. But the more people who can get it, the better. I know we're all looking forward to getting back to some semblance of, you know, a normal life. And there is that light at the end of the tunnel. And it is because, you know, people like you are willing to to, to take those side effects in stride and, and get that vaccine. So we're going to, again, stay away from any politics, but um, that's just science. Get the vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. And, you know, Haley, um, it's great to be on this side of it. Right. And I, you are too, obviously. And it's like, yeah, I, I can, there's a weight that's been lifted in terms of fear, um, largely. So it gives you freedom. And I would say anyone who's thinking about it, not only for the common good, but also for, you know, the freedom that it offers you freedoms at a cost. And yeah, I, I had to get the appointment, make the time for it, go through that, but I'm good now. Yeah, so, I know it does. Good. It feels yeah. good. Yeah. So let's oh, do it. Good. So, all right. So that was St. Patrick's Day. And then, you know, of course we celebrated the the Feast of St. Joseph and we can talk that about that a little bit during our spiritual stew because um, we pray to St. Joseph all the time. But, you know, last Sunday was Latare Sunday, um, you know, going back to the fourth Sunday in Advent. And um, I 
didn't know this, um, but well, I did know this part. Notre Dame has the Latari Medal, which is the highest honor given to Catholics in the United States. And um, the Notre Dame presents it at graduation every year. And um, the speaker speaks, the recipient speaks, which is, you know, always, always of interest to me. Um, but what I didn't know is that Notre Dame announces the winner of the Latari Medal on Latari Sunday, which of course makes sense. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but it was, um, it was just really neat. You know, I was with my coach last week, Tim Welsh, and we were, you know, on Latari Sunday and we were getting ready to celebrate mass together, you know, with you online and, um, Notre Dame put out the press release about the Latari Medal winner. And, um, so we got to kind of celebrate that together. Um, and that was kind of when all the worlds collided and I realized that that's when it happened, but the winner, awesome. yeah, the winner is, uh, or the recipient is um, Carla Harris, and we'll put a link to her online um, in the show notes. But man, she's super impressive, and the graduates this year are going to be, I think, really lucky to not only hear her speak, but I hope hear her sing. Um, she is a oh. she is a gospel, a recorded gospel awesome. artist. Yes, yes. Um, wow. I know. How awesome would that be to to have a, a recording artist, a gospel singer, um, also very successful in her professional life um, in business? But I um, think that's pretty cool. So it was a good week, and of course, it is March, um, so it is the beginning of spring. But with March comes March Madness. Um, which, you know, Ann and I are both big sports fans. So um, we, this is an exciting time, I think, for people who aren't big sports fans. You know, I think the average Joe pays attention to college football or college basketball at this time. And, and I got to tell you, this is the first time, and I think it's 24 years that um, there is not a Notre Dame team in either bracket. Hard to believe coming from the women's side in right. particular. And, you know, I was thinking about, you know, there, any coach or sports fan knows there are set, there are certain teams that are just super special. And we could talk about the women's that be, there's so many women's teams I could think of in recent years um, that are really special, but I think it is it the 2015 team with Jaron Grant and Pat Connaughton. Yes. And they were so close in the great eight to beating Kentucky and uh, heartbreaking, but what a journey and yeah. uh, what a team to celebrate. And, um, you know, on the women's side, obviously 2018, when the women won the national championship, um, you know, Rike Agumbawali and Mayberry, all of them, Jess from, you know, oh, there's so many great players, but it was so unexpected. And that was the beauty of that. You know, that team returned the next year and actually lost, you know, close to the buzzer. Right. But right. they had been so injured. Brianna Turner is her name. And she... Um, you know, had been injured largely for most of the 2018 season. I don't even think she played in the, you know, and she was a real leader and talented player, right? Yeah, no. she didn't play. And I remember hearing Coach Muffet McGraw at the time say that season they had more ACL injuries Ugh. than they did losses. Yeah. So they lost more players to ACL wow, injuries that's... than they did to games. Isn't that amazing? It's an incredible stat. It's super interesting. <laughs> it's an incredible stat. Leave so, it to Coach McGraw yeah. for, you know, speaking the truth. And um, she had a response for our listeners who may or may not have seen um, a player from University of Oregon, women. She uh, did kind of an expose of the weight rooms that um, were, uh, you know, afforded to 
the women's team and the men's team. The women are in San Antonio, the men are in largely Indianapolis and just the difference, the sheer inequality of facilities and what is offered. And I'm, you know, Haley, you as a D1 athlete, um, I am curious, what is your experience of just, I'd like to start with just you lifting weights. So I'm not, I'm not asking about your access or the facilities for women, but just what was that like for you and your teammates? You know, it's interesting. There's a lot of things looking back in hindsight that I realize were not ever really an issue for me. Um, you know, I know, um, you know, I, I played, I started in college in 1991. Um, that's a time when there wasn't a, a lot of parity between women and men's sports. You know, they were still working on Title IX and trying to even things out. But I actually never felt that way. Um, you know, I never felt slighted as a female student athlete at the time. Um, I don't even think I thought about it. Um, and, and I would say the same thing was true. You know, I, I've always lifted weights, um, at least starting in high school. Um, so that was always, so you did. yeah, starting in mm -hmm. high school. Yep. I hadn't yeah. done that before. Um, and that, that's, I, we, you know, we've carried that through even with parenting. I don't really think there's a need, you know, when your body is still developing and changing in middle school, um, I don't think you need to lift weights. I think you could probably do more damage there. I think there's enough you can yeah. do just with your body weight. That's enough, you know, in, in those middle school years. But so I started in high school and, you know, it was just, it was dry land. Um, you know, it was, I, I, I think of dry land as less time I had to be in the pool. Um, so I loved it. Um, but it was always a regular part of, of, of my training. And I never felt, um, you know, we lifted weights with the guys. We, you know, with the men's team, of course, we were, you know, we were a single team at the time. Um, so for me, it was just, I've always lifted weights. Um, it's just always been part of my training. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I am curious because um, I am someone who still lifts weights regularly. Um, I don't know, you know, what, if I was going to ask you, is it fun for you? Do you enjoy lifting weights? So I do. So it's interesting because, you know, of course now I'm not an athlete, I'll, um, but I think it's, I think it's becoming more mainstream. I think, mm -hmm. you know, as I lifted weights as an athlete, because that's what we did, right? That was part of our yeah. training. And then I probably didn't, you know, I, I think it, it was, it was not a common way to work out for the non-athlete, right? For the regular aerobics, you know, running, walking, jazzercise woman was not lifting yeah. weights forever. <laughs> Step aerobics, um, jazz. Exactly. Oh, yeah, Any yeah. of those, right? We weren't lifting yes. weights. And if we were, it was like five pounds. Yeah. Right. Right. Or Jane Fonda, you know, any of those things that we all did. Um, but I do think there is a trend, but I do think it's coming back. I think we're realizing that, you know, lean muscle is, is a great thing to have. I think with women, as we age, it's, it's good to keep our bones strong. Um, I think we're, women are understanding more of the health benefits of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that's, you know, as you had mentioned, I think that's more up and coming and not necessarily something that, that we grew up with as, as mainstream. It was more just athletes yeah. who lifted weights. Yeah. No, I, I am curious about it because if this story had run, I don't know this, but you know, the story had run 20 years ago, I don't know the traction it would have gotten. And obviously we live in a time where the emphasis is on equality. And, you know, I, I do think, 
I do think you have to provide equal facilities because it at least allows the opportunity. Now, do more men, male basketball players, lift weights than female basketball players or like more often, more regularly? I don't know the answer to that. But just again, the access piece is what is being promoted by having, you know, facilities and it's at the highest level. So this is like, you know, they, they're providing the best of the best, right, to these um, players and what an honor to be there and they're in this bubble and things like that. Um, I do hear a lot of women at my gym. So I'm at a co-ed gym, gym and um, women will talk about feeling intimidated about going into the weight room. Um, again, this is not younger women though. This is maybe women my age, maybe a little older, maybe some a little bit younger. If they're a newer member, they just feel like this is a place, like it's, it's just a, it's a different environment. It's a unique environment. It's the weight room, right? And you get to know the people and um, so I can understand, that's not been my experience where I felt intimidated, but I can understand how a woman might feel that way, but I can also understand how a man might feel that way. And then, you know, I am not someone who lifts heavy weights, um, at all. I can't do that. And occasionally some of my buddies will give me a wise crack and I want to be like, I have a heart condition, but I just, you know, I laugh it off and play it. I'm there and I, you have to kind of not care, but it's an interesting environment to kind of look at, again, dynamics between people. And I do think, yeah, in the nineties or when we were young, it really was about not bulking up. There was fear that you would get big as opposed to you mentioned lean muscle mass. Um, so, you know, hopefully those things have changed. I definitely see it changed in the number of, again, young women, many of them who were collegiate athletes, just working out really hard, inspiring to everybody around us. Um, and I know basketball players today, there's so many female basketball players that are over six, three, six, five. And I'm thinking, how can anyone like go up against some of these really strong athletes? Well, they're lifting weights. They're strong women themselves. And so it's paying off. It's paying dividends for yeah, you know, and there's, I mean, there's so much wrong with what took place um, in the tournament with the weight room, um, starting with the fact that it even just started off um, with such a discrepancy. But, you know, then you have the the video I saw where the NCAA put out a, a pre, you know, some sort of response where they said, well, we didn't have the room um, to put yeah. in the same facility. And then, of course, you know, there's the video that pans to the half empty ballroom, you know, connected to the weight the weight room, which let's face it, that wasn't even a weight room. That was a weight rack um, that they had there. Um, but I thought you know, it was a joke at first because uh, it was so bad. I right. mean, I really did. I, mean, I was like, that's like in my house. I have that in my, yeah. you know, those, that's about the number of weights I have in my house. Uh, but it, it, you know, and it's not e that, and the point actually isn't even the weights. And I think that's, you know, the point that the, some of these women, it's just, it's the lack of respect. Um, because you don't eat, even if they're not lifting weights while they're playing, which many women, you know, athletes don't, right? Like we lifted weights in season, but we didn't lift weights going into our championship season. So we wouldn't have been mm -hmm. actively lifting weights, you know, mm -hmm. as we were at our conference meet. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, you know, you could still have the stationary bicycles or this, you know, just stuff to warm up the muscle. Anyway, there's so much wrong mm -hmm. with it there. Um, but you know what? I, you know, this is where, this is where social media, you know, can be a change maker. Um, and, I, and I think change will come from this. And I applaud these women for 
putting themselves out there and calling them on it. You know, the NCAA yeah. is a pretty big monster and that's, you know, that's, <laughs> that's a yeah. tough one to tackle. And I, yeah. I, I applaud them for doing it because yeah. that's changed too, right? You know, think of yeah. the women who have rallied for change in the past and they've, they've yeah. really been kind of squashed yeah. Um, yeah. and nobody's squashing yeah. them, which is great. Yeah, no, it is. And for any of our listeners, you know, if you have, if, I don't know, like, it would be interesting to hear people's experiences about just their experience of it being in the gym of lifting weights. I like the cerebral nature of it. I like, it's a different kind of workout. I do love the chit chat. I like going with a friend. I, pro I wouldn't have that experience of going with my parents, you know, or my teenager, if I had one, I don't think I would, you know, we might show up at the same time. But there's, you know, shared space and I miss the gym. I really do. I look forward to going back. I haven't been in a year. I joke that my gym is now the golf course where I carry my bag, <laughs> walk and carry. Um, yeah. But I, I, I look forward to returning to that space. And um, I have a feeling this would be talked about. This issue would be talked about in the gym. And um, I'm sure some of the people there might not agree with our sentiments uh, um, it'd be interesting to hear you know different points of view on it i i would love to hear differing yeah. opinions on this <laughs> um but i you know i i wanted to just circle back to um carla harris because um i didn't know about the singing but one of the descriptors of her and uh, you know um as a vice chairman at morgan stanley was that she um quote, I'm going to read what it says on the university's website, coaches others with negative motivation. That's her approach. Okay. So she leverages people. Um, she leverages what people say cannot be done into energy to prove them wrong. So I thought that was so interesting. So her whole outlook is like, I'm going to show you otherwise, right? I'm going to prove you wrong. And I thought that was such an interesting way of framing it because you hear negative motivation and you assume it's going to be something like, I don't know, that's negative in and of itself, right? Right. But what an interesting outlook. I, I don't know that that would be mine, but I like that they've named it and that it's part of her leadership style. Yeah. So. And it'll be interesting to hear if she speaks to that too and, right? and what she has to yeah. say about it. Yeah, that is interesting. And, you know, it's possible just as a black woman that that's had, that's realistically her experience, right? I mean, what she's overcome, there's not many women, um, especially women of color in a position as high as hers. So she's obviously proven many people wrong. Right. And, um, Kudos and, to her. Yeah. Right. And her faithfulness. And um, one of my favorite Latari medal winners was Aaron Neville. So he's the Neville brothers. They were really popular in the eighties or nineties. He sang um, Ave Maria and it's just incredible. Um, that was really his speech. He just didn't have a lot to say. He thanked the sisters in New Orleans that taught him. And then he just busted into song and I like, oh, I was crying. It was so beautiful. That so that is awesome. Yes. Yeah. Something to look forward to for, uh, for any American Catholic. Yes, right? absolutely. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll be talking about that more come, come May when graduation season comes around. Yeah. Funny. So in our spiritual stew, um, I'd mentioned this week that this past week was the feast of St. Joseph, um, March 19th. Um, and it's interesting because in Luke's gospel this week, we hear the story of, you know, the angel Gabriel coming to Mary and to tell her that she's with child. And, you know, of course we hear the words that Gabriel says, hail full of grace, the Lord is with you, which, you know, of course is so familiar to us who say the hail Mary. 
Uh, and, and Mary is afraid, right? As we all would be. Um, and so there's a lot of focus on that, um, you know, and her role in, um, you know, Jesus's birth. Um, but Joseph isn't mentioned as much. And, you know, I am not, I have never really paid much attention to St. Joseph until my boys attended uh, is their high school, Mount St. Joseph High School. And of course, there is a lot of talk of, of St. Joseph at Mount St. Joseph. And my boys actually have the day off on March 19th, whether it's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, you know, that is that is their day off um, to celebrate the Feast of St. Joseph. Um, but when you really, you know, and, and again, I went, you know, I went to Xavier, which was run by the the sisters of the BVMs, the Blessed Virgin Marys, and just Catholicism in general, there's such a focus on Mary. So Joseph isn't somebody that I've thought much about, but, you know, it's really amazing when you do think of him and you think of the fact that he accepted this pregnant woman as his wife mm -hmm. who said to him, I'm pregnant. crazy faith that he must have had, because I think most people would think Mary was a whack job. Um, and he didn't, you know, he embraced it in trusting not only her, but, um, you know, just all of the shame that must have come from yeah. that. Um, you yeah. know, it's especially as a man who, you know, at that time, and even in many ways today, you know, the men have this whole image of who they think they should be. And he was so far from that. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's been really kind of fun these past five years, um, that we've, you know, been going to Mount St. Joseph to learn more about St. Joseph and to mm. kind of recognize his very important role that he plays, um, you know, in, in, in our faith, um, for sure. And, you know, for my son, it was great, you know, to have Friday off as the feast of St. Joseph, cause that was the first oh. day of March madness. And, oh, so it was truly a the, the holiday, it, the holy day was a holiday. The holy day was a holiday and he wow. feasted on basketball. I mean, I think he would have watched the games at school anyway, which, you know, you don't want them to do, but um, yeah. it, it just, it coincided to be kind of a really neat day. So I just started thinking, you know, I wonder if St. Joseph would be a basketball fan. I, I think he would have, <laughs> I think he would have enjoyed, um, I think you would have enjoyed the first day of March Madness like we all did. Yes, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Haley shared with me a photo of um, Edward with his grandmother watching the games, four screens on, I think. And I just, I love that. I think that's so many people just have that passion. And I think that's really one of the evidence of how we love sports and why we love sports because it's, it is really exciting to have a game at 10 a.m. on a Friday, right? And here yeah. he is getting to watch it. And, yeah, for that reason, I hope St. Joseph was a, a basketball fan. <laughs> um, but, you know, to answer your question, Haley, you know, we d you know, the easy answer is we don't know if he would be a fit basketball fan. Why? Because he does not speak in the Gospels. And it's so interesting, right, that he is a he is silent. And the only thing we know about St. Joseph is through his example and how he lived. And I think you framed that so well about his experience. And it must have been a profound mystery to and to take on what he did. And we know that he had dreams and an, you know, an angel kind of came to him to speak to him. But um, Father Jim Martin, so I, you know, St. Francis, uh, the the school was founded by the brothers of Holy Cross. And so St. Joseph is their patron. So we had a special liturgy, albeit 
virtual on Friday while we were in class. And um, one of the pieces of the virtual liturgy was a talk by Father Jim Martin. And in his book, My Life with the Saints, he refers to St. Joseph as the hidden life. Because again, we don't know much about him. We know that, for example, he wasn't at the wedding feast at Cana. So the assumption is he was probably he had probably died by then. We don't know that. We know that he trained a young Christ um, as a the word I think technically is tecton, T-E-K-T-O-N, which is really more of a craftsman than like a carpenter, because that part of the world, there's a lot of stone. And you know, he wouldn't have been a mason, but he would have worked with some wood. So really kind of a craftsman. Um, and that he accompanied Mary to the temple when Jesus was, you know. Um, so he was really, his life was in service. And that's why it's a gift that, that's why the brothers of Holy Cross took him as their patron, because to be a brother, which a lot of people don't know about today, and I don't know if you would have known, you know, um, I don't know how many people, even, you know, cradle Catholics know about brothers, because they live hidden lives. They live lives of total service. Yep. In the past, in schools, they were, you know, doing a lot of the work that we never see you know, cleaning schools, cooking, you know, landscaping. Um, and I loved his video because I thought how many men and women live hidden lives. And he linked it to the pandemic this year, the people who are working that we don't see. Right. Right. They're working for the good. Well, but, and, and in reality, you know, in, in that sense, Joseph is the ultimate role model for us, right? Yeah. I mean, to to not say and tell people what we think and feel or what we should be doing, but to actually just act in a way mm-hmm. um, and to be that silent servant. I mean, that that would be my goal and that I'm not doing a good job of is being silent. But, um, and, and, you know, it's yeah, interesting. Podcast, Haley, yeah. sorry. <laughs> It wouldn't be a very interesting podcast. Yeah. If we were <laughs> but, you know, and I didn't know much about the difference between brothers and priests or monks, um, you know, but even with the brothers of Holy Cross, you know, I really learned about them on the ND trail when, you know, when I walked. Oh, sure. Three okay. and a half years ago. Yeah. We walked with, you know, brother Larry, God bless him. You know, he um, shared with us all about, you know, 320 miles is and two weeks is a long time to spend with people and you really get to know them. And, um, you know, he shared all about his gifts and his servants' service, and and not because he was telling us because he was proud of it or you know felt good about it, because we kept asking him. Um, you know, because you know we were fascinated by why you would choose to be a brother and not a priest, and it really was because he just wanted to do the work and not, um, you know, sort of have the glory of the priesthood. Um, so it's um it was interesting it was interesting to learn about the difference uh, you know between the brothers of holy cross and the priests of holy cross yeah you know god continues to call people in just i mean you could say mysterious ways wonderful ways and um today i was at holy cross center in berkeley for mass and when i walked out i saw a poster literally a poster of the number of vocations to holy cross so the congregation of holy cross a number of young men and uh, Father Tom said, you know, six of these are, call- they are in formation to be brothers. And so, you know, part of why I think young men are called to the priesthood is because of the, you know, it's a very, po- I mean, you are leading the mass, you are preaching, you are, you know, presiding over the Eucharist. And um, I don't want to say power, because that's not the right word, but, you know, there's leadership or servant leadership that, that they perform. And 
Well, they're very, yeah, they're I mean, very visible, right? Priests are very yeah, visible. Yeah. Yeah. Versus hidden. Right. And so that, that men are called to something different where they are called to live in poverty. They're called to be celibate. They're called to be obedient and they are doing this in service to the people of God. Right. And to the Lord himself. So I had no idea that, that there were that many vocations and I will, maybe that's our spiritual, our takeaway. I will pray for these people who have responded to God's call. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, it is. Service. Yeah. It is awesome. And, and, you know, how neat that you would just happen to see that when you're, you know, on your way out, you know, your, your eyes were open and, and you saw and learned there. Um, and I think you had some other sightings this week where your, <laughs> your eyes were open and you were, you were seeing. So. Yes. Well, I, you know, I love this idea of, a spiritual vision and you know Ignatius Loyola talks about finding God in all things and that in all things we can find God and you know so how do we see the spiritual life and that's the whole point of sport and spirituality is finding the spiritual in sport so um I'm open and curious about this idea of vision and I um I can't take credit for seeing the poster that was a friend Chris who pointed it out so we'll give him the the assist here and um, but this week on last Sunday, I walk out of my front door and I literally see Joe Montana, who's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And in San Francisco, he's beloved because he, you know, had three Super Bowl championships with the Niners. And um, he was eating. I live above a restaurant, so I, there's a lot of people. But I, you know, he's wearing a mask and I, I'm like, oh, that's Joe, you know. And then four days later, I'm at the PGA Superstore and I'm walking out. And it's funny because I almost didn't go into the store and it was just crazy. I was running around and I walk out and I'm like, that's Steve Young. And he also has won a Super Bowl for the San Francisco 49ers Hall of Fame quarterback. And I'm standing next to him and he plays golf in this tournament I go to every year. And so it's funny to me that in one week I happened to see the two, you know, two of the greatest Niner quarterbacks of all time. Iconic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And so then I, I started to think, you know, is that luck or is that something different? And I, I have thought about this, like, you know, how often are we seeing people and, you know, with both of them, I walked and I, you know, you kind of click and you just keep walking. And then I, it sunk in. I'm like, Oh no, no, that's Joe. That's Steve. Like you realize this is somebody that I'm familiar with. And so I keep thinking of this ecosystem that we live in. We're swimming with all kinds of people and who do we see and who do we not see? And why is it that, you know, we do recognize people sometimes or like your own son, like saw, you know, coach Harbaugh in South Bend, like, masked and sunglasses and all it is fascinating to me what you know and i think in our own spiritual lives god is always that's part of the ecosystem is my point like god is working god's there what do we see well and and god is working and god's there and what are our eyes open to right i mean we Mm -hmm. we just we have to be open to all of it whether it's you know seeing joe montana or you know seeing god living out in yeah. the world. But you know what also I love about both those stories, your sightings, um, but also, you know, you're right. My son saw, you know, we're of course Baltimore Ravens yeah. fans, John Harbaugh's Baltimore Ravens coach. And, um, you know, we got a text from my son, James, that, you know, I just saw John Harbaugh at Eddie, Com- Eddie Street Commons. And, um, you know, I love about both of those stories is that you, you were looking and you did see 
And, you know, you and my son weren't staring at their phones. You were taking, you know, Ugh. so many people walk around and just miss life. Um, you mm -hmm. know, that's probably a whole nother topic. Um, but, but it made me realize, you know, what are we lose? What are we losing, you know, in this world, you know, what gifts and miracles yes. even are we missing? Um, when, yep. when we're looking at our phones, when we're just walking down the street or, or, you know, if we're not driving, somebody else is driving and we're looking at our phone in the car. Um, you know, that's, yeah. what a yeah. neat experience that you would have missed yeah. out on if you were looking at your phone. Know. And my, you know, and I, I think that even more with my son, right. He's, you know, he's 19 and they live on their phones and, yeah. um, you know, he would have missed out on kind of this neat running yeah. with his, yeah. you know, his team's coach. Um, so, you know, it's, it's another thing to just remember, um, you know, God's miracles are out there and, you know, maybe, maybe running into Joe Montana and Steve Young or John Harbaugh is not a miracle, but, um, it's still, it it's still kind of a neat thing that makes you smile. And, and anything like that is, is always a gift from God. Um, but we have to be open to seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was a, it was fun to think about, okay, who's next, but, you know, you can't predict those things. And, um, yeah, you, you, I always think, well, what's, what do you risk if you are off your phone? Like, you know, I'm standing in line at Costco it's wait, I could read an article so I could make the argument for, you know, looking at your phone Right. to be fair, but you, sometimes you're just going to be bored. Okay. I, I, I like to make the argument for boredom. For sure. I think it's okay to be bored, Absolutely. you know, like okay, I'm, I'm waiting in line. This isn't fun. I'm just here, but I'm present. I don't know. There's, there's, that's a really interesting spiritual discipline that we could talk about. Just maybe it's the exercise of presence. Like I'm going to just be in the moment. Just I'm not here. going to be right. So, all right. So that's a good takeaway for this week. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about my, you know, I'm doubling down on my discipline <laughs> for this week. I, you know, I was traveling this past week. I was with friends. I would, was been with my parents. It's been awesome. Um, but you know, you just don't sleep as much and you don't eat properly and you don't kind of do the things you're supposed to do. And, you know, I've been a little cranky and snarky and it's, you know, I don't love it. Um, so, you know, we've yeah. got two weeks till less than two weeks till Easter. And I really want to refocus my efforts um, just to kind of make sure that I am doing what I need to do to be the best person I can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. with clear mind and joyful soul and you know what maybe not looking at my phone so much um mm. that would clear my head so that those i think those are my takeaways um in addition to praying for our, our holy cross priests and brothers in formation yeah. um because i love that but also just kind of getting back to basics and and really yeah. kind of you know going back to the simplicity that we were kind of at last year at this time, right? Life was very simple and basic going into, yeah, into Holy yeah. Week last time, last year, this time, and a lot of uncertainty too, but um, there, there was something to be said for those, those very simple joys. So my, my goal is to get back to that. I love it, Haley. Thank you. I'm going to, I'm going to join you in that effort. So it's hard, you know, that's the point of um, Gaudete, Gaud, Latari. I, you know, I missed that. So Gaudete is an, advent three weeks in we're almost there and latari is the same spirit rejoice and we're almost there so we have two weeks to go and i want to feel good about you know the lenten obligation is for us right and to um give something to god or whatever we're doing so i want to feel like i've i don't know done, i've run the race and i've done it well so 
I'll join you in the effort of doubling down. And yes, praying for men and women who respond to religious life. And it is, I, you know, I, I have a number of friends in religious life. I, it's an incredible choice and I, um, yeah. So they need, they need our support. They need lay friends and we need them in our lives too. My life is better because I have them and I think I, I offer something too. So absolutely. I, I, I would imagine your friendship needs a is huge to them for sure. Um, because not everyone treats them as people. Right. And I know right. you do. I right. know you are a genuine friend. Um, and friendship is a huge gift. Yeah. Well, and I know Father Tom feels that way about you. So, um, cause I heard it myself. So yeah, it's good to have our community of faith and, um, those things I think develop because people show up and they share their gifts. So anyone who is going to be part of a small community of faith or should be seeking one, my advice on that would be two things. Show up and as best you can share your gifts and talents. I think God takes care of the first, right? Palm Sunday. We'll, we'll have it. So, Sounds great. have a good one. Great. Peace and prayers. Thank you.